This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. So my next guest appeared on Broadway in the original cast of the Tony Award-winning musical Spring Awakening, How to Succeed in Business. He was in Bye Bye Birdie and Dr. Zhivago. He's toured the country with numerous first national tours. Uh, He was in Fun Home, Spring Awakening, and others. He's appeared regionally in Next to Normal, Parade, Ragtime, and Bonnie and Clyde. He created and produced the LGBTQ musical Basic Witches, for which he received a 2019 Barrymore Award nomination for Best Original Music. His song collaborations with Alex McCabe have been featured in Chris Rock's film Top 5 and Melissa McCarthy's film Can You Ever Forgive Me? He is a proud native of Mexico City and currently resides in Philadelphia, PA. And for the next 30 minutes, I'm happy to say he's here with us on Stop Time. It is my great pleasure to introduce you all to my friend, Robbie Hager. Robbie, welcome. Hello, hello. <laughs> so happy to be here and to talk to you. I've missed you. Yes, same, same. And, you know, full disclosure, Robbie and I have known each other for quite some time, and I am truly one of your biggest fans. All right. So, listen, thanks so much for joining me on Stop Time today. You know, there's no word yet on when Broadway performances will actually resume. Uh, The Broadway League, I think, has confirmed it won't be until at least June 2021, right? Over a full year since the curtain came down. Um, on the theater district on March 12th. Do you, Robbie, do you remember where you were that day when, when, you, when you heard that Broadway was shutting down? Well, I mean, I think it was March 13th. I was okay. in Italy and I was still hanging out with a few friends for a birthday. And that's kind of the last day that it was, the day before this quarantine happened, the, the mandate went out. Um, and I think it was about like two weeks after that, that, or maybe a month after that, officially theaters canceled their season. Yeah. Um, at least through December. So that still felt like, okay, there's a little hope. There's something we can, we can hold off. We can wait till December and that's, that's doable. And then it wasn't until regional theaters, cause I'm here in Philly that, that I started saying they were canceling the entire season. Mm. Um, then the Broadway news came out too, that it's official through, through June. And you know, I kind of knew it was going to happen, but when it officially happens, it just hurts. It really, really like brought me down. Of like, wow, once again, it seems like this career path that I took feels like it wasn't the right one, right? Like, it feels like, you know, you got other people that are still being able to maintain their jobs and work, but the theater community and the arts community always gets hit the hardest most of the time. And I think that was really hard to, to take in. So it was hard for a bit, but but then eventually you realize, well, we're artists. We have to figure out a way out. We can, we always seem to do that. So mm. how do we create something in this, when there's nothing that's going to produce our creations? So that, yeah. was, that, that was rough. That was really hard. Yeah. That voice in our heads, and it's not even so much in our heads because it's a lot of people say it to us about being in the industry, right? The artist journey is so often, I'm hearing you say like, trying to not listen to that and to saying, no, no, I'm gonna make it work, right? Yeah, it's just, it's a little bit. It's, the, the key thing is not obviously not let it creep in because there is 
nothing, no, no better satisfaction for me than to be an artist. So there's no other job that I can do. <laughs> like I've even tried, you know, registrar offices, or I've tried being a waiter, I'm the, the worst waiter. So I'm just like, I know that I'm able to create, I'm able to do art, and I have to, you know, commit to that and not not listen to those other voices saying like that's not that career is going to be too hard for you you know that's the thing the key thing don't listen to those voices if you really have that that drive and that passion you know and if you're good at it if you know that you're good at it that's that's proof enough you know yeah so kind of that that that's helping me out right now a lot (laughs) yeah well it's it's interesting i'm so curious to know what like you know your definition is like on the one hand, you're saying, this is what makes me happy. This is my calling. You know, I'm hearing you say, this is your passion. But I'm so curious to know, like, if there's, if there's some sort of preconceived limiting belief about what success looks like, you know, when will, when, when will you ever feel that way? You know, I think I have to, it, it, for the longest time, and I think every artist is always very self-critical, you know, and they, they don't think they'll, they reach success, but I know I've already reached success in a version that's good for me that makes me feel like I'm growing, right? Uh, ultimate success, I don't know what that means yet because, I, you know, there's still so much to discover and so much to, to do. But I feel like I feel successful because of how, I'm, of how I'm feeling. I'm feeling at peace. I'm feeling like I'm doing stuff that benefits me and benefits others. Um, I think that to me is more like the kind of success and definition I want to go for rather than making it a money thing or rather than making it a credits thing. Um, And that's been taking the pressure off. That's really taking the anxiety away of when the next job is going to come my way. I think, you know, what's been helping me in this pandemic to to be able to make money is playing to my other skills, Um, especially as a composer right now. That's really where I'm digging into a lot. And as a um, uh, orchestrator, arranger. Uh, I've been putting that up on my website. So a lot of people who want to have their songs written out, they'll send me their, you know, their voices recorded an audio demo, and I create a sheet music uh, score for them. Uh, so I'm playing into these other um, what people would call hobbies, but it's really more work. So I think that's another another thing. Like learn new learning new skills. This is the perfect time when everything is on hold. Learn new skills. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved what you said about you, f- you feel successful now because it's not based on just what you're doing, but how you are, how you're feeling. Um, yeah. I mean, isn't that the goal? I mean, we think, you know, you, you hear all the time about people who, you know, keep thinking, oh, it's going to be the next job, the next job, the next job. That's when I'm going to feel, yeah. you know, and yes, there's money and money is important, but money doesn't, as we know, does not by happiness. There are a lot of unhappy, rich people out there, right? So I love that you're able to to taste it, if not, you know, savor it and recognize it. That, that's a, a gift in itself. I heard just a little bit of like, you know, needing to qualify. Well, that sort of falls into, you know, you did like the air quotes. I mean, you know, it's sort of the hobby things, what people call. It's so interesting because I, you know, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, talk to me a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, this career that we chose as artists, it's has always been regarded. That's changing, which I'm very happy about. But has mm-hmm. always been regarded, at least when I was growing up, by um, 
teachers at school or not my parents, which is amazing. My parents, they are artists in themselves and they encouraged me to fulfill this. But other people in society kind of was saying, you know, that's not going to get you money. That's not going to get you success. That won't get you where you need to be. You know, you need, you need a... Um, you need a minor in something like in business, if you're going to major in the arts, you know, and that's why I did those like the air quotes of like, you know, these, they were always considered hobbies by other people, but no theater work is work. It's legitimate work. The arts is a legitimate job. We get paid. We get taxed on our paychecks. We can make a living off of it. I've been making a living off of being an artist for the last 15 years, you know, Mm -hmm. So it's doable. It takes work because there's a big competition, a lot of competition out there. And it takes like being honest with yourself. Are you good enough to do this and trusting that you can do it? And if not, get educated. You know, if not, fight for wanting to be the best you can be. I don't, don't consider those things, learning new skills within the arts as hobbies, you know. It would be a sad world if as artists, we only did one thing, honestly, Right. We are capable of doing so much within the arts and so like something that I love to do. And I do um, vocal coachings with, especially with with high school students. Mm. And my favorite thing is when they realize the power of their voice. Yeah. That moment, that switch in their eyes when they're like, Oh, I've never felt that note in my body. Like I, I, you know, we're, we're told, like, don't sing too loud or, or put your tongue in when you're a little kid. You know, don't stick your tongue out. You know, we're told to, like, don't, 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 and, like, stay inside your, you know, your, your world. But when I'm doing my vocal lessons, I say, you got to sing like nobody's listening. You've got to, like, really put yourself out there and test the volume so you can find the limits. You can find your true voice. And I love when I see these students realize that, there is power in my voice. There is something I can say with my voice and I can say it loud enough and be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. I love seeing that because that happened to me. There's a moment, my mom reminds me of that. There was a moment where I was like uh, back in high school and I was rehearsing Pippin. I think we were doing Pippin the musical. And I was just rehearsing and I just wasn't getting a note. And then at one point I just yelled it. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to yell it really loud. And it came out. And my mom still reminds me of that day that that's the day I found my voice. And it is a, a feeling, a feeling came over me that I see in these students. And even whether it's vocal or whether you, you create a composition and it sounds good or whether you get to the, the climax of, of a monologue that feels like I've made something make sense in my, in my brain or in my heart, that's success. Another, you know, going back to the success idea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and you absolutely light up when you talk about that. You know, I mean, it's... Oh, I, I love, I love teaching. I lo- it's so, it's so great. Yeah. I mean, it stands out that that's a huge value of yours. You know, we talk about values as not necessarily the task, but rather the intrinsic connection or value that we place on whatever it is we're doing. Does that make sense? Imagine a world where there's no money, maybe no trading. You just do because you feel good doing or something. Mm. Else, or something mm. you know? And if I had the possibility of living comfortably with just what I need, not necessarily what I want, but just what I need, food, um, clothing, if I have enough that you know I feel like I'm in a good place that I don't need to have more, which I think would be an ideal society for everybody, 
then I don't need to charge for my voice lessons. You know, I, the, the gift of like just seeing other younger generations learn of their power, learn that they have the ability to change the world. That is, that to me is a value that we all have to, to re to dig into so that younger generations and the generations after them continue to build upon that, you know, continue to make a better world. Make a yeah. world. What would you say is the greatest challenge uh, that you face so far? Can you share with us some of the things that, you know, that you've struggled with the most? Right now is hugging my parents, hugging my mom and my dad. Mm. That is the hardest thing. Um, you know, seeing my family as often as I'd like to. I mean, the fact that we, we're going to go into the holiday season and we don't know what's going to happen. The numbers are going up again a little bit here in, in the East Coast. That's been, I think, the biggest challenge. Yeah, more than, more than work. I mean, seeing, seeing people, seeing artists yeah. in person and creating in person. Like I'm, I, as another one, I've been writing this musical, this new musical with a uh, playwright in El Paso, Texas, Jorgina. And we've been working on this musical only through Zoom, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'd love to grab a drink with her, give her a hug, and be like, and let's, let's get to work. Let's get in a room and, and, and do good work. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the connection with people right now. I mean, I'm married to my husband, Chris, and we, ha- we have an incredible relationship. We have been stuck in this quarantine for so, so long, and we still work really well together. Um, and I love hugging him, but I also want to hug other people. <laughs> you know, I just love being here with him, but I also want to be with him, be with our friends, you know, be able to, yeah. to be at birthdays and be with my, you know, with our parents. And that's, that's really the big struggle right now that I hope, I hope we can get out of soon. Yeah, I hear you. I really do. Yeah. I'm so curious to know, like, if there's discoveries you've made about yourself that you might not otherwise have learned like has it offered you any new learning about yourself i realize that i i am i've been able to give myself permission to be patient Mm. more than ever before and to kind of be in silence and listen a lot more i feel like i was doing that before but i wasn't doing it enough where it was you know taking away my back pain, which is my anxiety or my pressure, you know, like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Like I, it's taught me a lot of like how to meditate in a different way, meditate in a way that's going to be more, take, you know, open space in my brain, open space in my heart of there's only so much we can do. We must always surrender to the moment. And from that place, make a decision, make a choice. And I think I've been doing that a lot more without me thinking about doing it. It just seems to happen. There's moments where I get a little frustrated. I'm like, too much all at once. And I'm like, well, what can I do right now? Nothing. So sit back and have a coffee if you drink coffee or water or whatever. And just breathe and deal with, deal with it another day. You know, mm. hold. everything is so on hold. Like, it's funny, my, my husband went to... Um, to the uh, doctor and then he said, the doctor said, you know what, do you, are you a night owl? And we've been night owls this, these past months and don't feel bad if you sleep in. This is, yeah. no one knows how to go through a pandemic. So if you sleep in, if you sleep past 10, you know what, sleep in past 10. Yeah. There's only so much we can do. Whenever you have inspiration of creating something, go ahead and create it. But if not, don't feel guilty about the fact that there's, you know, 
that you deserve time to yourself to kind of gather your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what I've been, something new that I've been learning. Another thing is, you know, that I really want to continue is really, really be better about detaching from social media. You know, for the beginning of the pandemic, I was, I, we all went back to Facebook, back to Instagram, back mm -hmm. to social media. And, you know, the, the month before the election, I made a, per, a point to, I'm only going to check Facebook and social media at certain times, you know? And I think it, we could be better, I could be better about that. So that's another goal that I want to, I don't know if I want to delete one of them or just take a, a good, long, long break. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's another thing that I'm trying to learn. Yeah, no, the, those are great. Those are sort of great insights. And, you know, I'm really hearing, um, you know, acceptance, right? That with, with what you're talking about at first, like literally permission and acceptance. And, you know, there's that saying that, you know, pain is in, inevitable, but suffering is optional. That's good. I like that. Do you know? I mean, stuff will happen and there's lots of stuff we can't control, but what we can always control is how we respond to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, how much energy would you say that you spend worrying about what you can't control? You know, a lot, a lot less now, especially after yeah. the election. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was there was stress. There was definitely some stress, but it's been I've been better about it. I've been better about you know not letting that creep in and just whatever I can do now is what I'll do. Yeah. Whatever I can't do, that'll be for another day. Yep. Yeah. You know, we all have systems, right? And so many of us, so many in the world, have relied on systems that when they were shut down by something that we couldn't control, we were forced to look at and recognize and maybe develop. Right. And it's, it's funny because, you know, not because I miss positivity or whatever, but I, I recognize that as much as I absolutely love being in a room with people and I love being in theater and I love teaching and I love my students and all of that, that when it stopped, I remarked how I was okay like really okay. Like I, you know, the pivot was, I was like, Oh my God, I've got time to read and develop this and do that. And, and it just, it just, it was an opportunity yeah. to discover that. And I, you know, I think this whole pandemic has offered us if we choose to take it, you know, I think a lot in the beginning, a lot of people were waiting for it to go back because they, they were still relying on those systems. So when it goes back, it's going to be amazing. So it was just killing time. Whereas I feel like, you know, the pivots that people have made, and they call them pivots, and I, you know, that triggers me a little bit, because pivots indicate, you know, needing to move in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel like kind of what you shared, which was that you have all these things already, and it's just you're now giving yourself permission to access all these other and, and grow laterally, you know, in abundance, like to, to you know, and as you said, other things are still happening as opposed to waiting around going, well, I'm not gonna, um, sorry, I kind of went on a rant, but it was just that the whole idea of systems. Yeah, go ahead, please. You go. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying that I agree with you. That's, that, that's like the, 
I think the idea of the, I like the idea of this expanding, expanding your skills and cover more ground that way. So you feel, I mean, it's just that way you don't feel like you're waiting for something to happen. Yeah. I think another thing that was, that's been really good is to get involved with people that are with people and organizations and learn about other organizations that are at a different level, not necessarily like good or bad, but a different level of where you're at and learn from their skills. And maybe you can, you, they can learn from your skills, mm-hmm. helping, other people, helping communities, helping marginalized communities, you know, getting involved in that way. That's like, you know, deconditioning yourself in a way of like, oh, I can only learn this way. Yeah. There's other ways to learn. And you, if that's another thing that's good, maybe that this quarantine has been helpful is to decondition yourself on how you create or learn about other other um, people or businesses or other things, you know? So that's another good thing to kind of like expand that way, expand that way. And how can your work, how can your art um, help them? Yeah, I love that. And, and, and that becomes a win-win, right? I mean, that becomes a, you know, ticking those important values box, you know, and then remaining who you are as an artist. But then, yeah, expanding. I love that. That's really, really beautiful. What do you know will be true about you no matter what happens? Uh, I think that I, that I will always try to make other people laugh. I'll try to make sure people are feeling content. I always want to keep laughing. Like, that's something that also people have said to me, like, you could live alone and be totally happy because you just make jokes to yourself and laugh at yourself. <laughs> and it's true. It's very true. I do so much of that. Like, I'll start telling a joke or something, even with friends, and it might be the worst joke ever. But if it's funny to me, I'll still laugh out loud. <laughs> even yeah. if nobody else does. So I think, like, I think that's, that's I get that from my mom. Um, that kind of joy of, like, even if nobody else is laughing, if you're laughing, that's enough. I love that. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Is that something that you kind of, do you feel that you observed growing up? Or do you feel like it's something that was so infectious that it just became part of who you are as well? And I think it was, Jelly, I seen my mom. My mom was a jokester, and she still is. And, like, mm. I just be, I'm becoming my mom in certain ways that I didn't know I was until mm. somebody else pointed it out. You know, like my mom has, you know, now we have a, my sister had a, a baby and this, he's a, a year, almost a year and a half. Um, yeah. And so my mom has, has always had these like collectible toys and things that she always had around, you know, but now she's using them for, <laughs> for Milo is his name. And when I, while I was on tour with Fun Home, I collected so many little things, so many toys to make jokes for the cast to just joke around. And now I have a closet that's filled with them. <laughs> so just like my mom, she has a closet filled with toys. I have one that's filled with these toys just to, when the opportunity presents itself, I'll bring down this thing down when we're having people over and make a joke. And again, if it doesn't land, I'll laugh and that's enough. <laughs> that's, that is so cool. I love that. What's coming up for me? I'm just going to share it with you just because I know you. Did you ever have like, was it difficult for you as such a handsome, talented young man (laughs) and everybody, like, did you get pigeonholed into that a little bit? Um, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Maybe people did assume things of me that I just didn't know they were doing they were assuming i would be like a certain kind of person based on what i looked like or yeah. even 
ethnicity. I'm sure that, because that happens everywhere. Yeah, true. Uh, I did notice that for myself that I tried to fit in into mm. a category that, especially with auditions, especially when I started auditioning in After Spring Awakening, mm. I immediately saw myself as like, okay, I've got to play that white leading man role and that's what I'm going to go in for, you know? Mm. And no, I needed, that's something that I didn't know how to develop and, you know, when, by different agencies that I had, they didn't really hone that, like help me realize that you are a Mexican American and we can mm. play your ethnicity. You know, we can play the fact that you come from a different country. Like I was born and raised in Mexico and I have a different, you know, culture upbringing, you know, yeah. that um, we could have brought in instead of trying to go in for this like white lead, leading men roles, you know. Granted, that also goes to like, I'm encouraging composers on Broadway and producers on Broadway to produce things that represent all of us, not just a certain dynamic of people, a certain group of yeah. people. I think I fell into that and, and it wasn't maybe until like a year, maybe two years ago that I was really like, right, that's why I'm not landing certain gigs because, because I'm seeing myself as somebody else. Maybe if I had come in for the same role, with my acceptance and full acceptance of my identity as a Mexican American, doesn't mean that I have to play it like a Mexican character, but any character. If I came in with that kind of like confidence, I wonder if I'd gotten those roles that were meant for a white American character uh, actor. You know? Yeah. So it, it's an interesting, interesting like meditative dynamic that I went through um, that has liberated me from feeling that kind of pressure. And I, you know, obviously I hope I encourage my students to always access that. Be like, remember that you are enough. Like Uta Hagen always said, that you are enough. Um, don't try to put in more. Don't try to create somebody else's version of this character or this. Oh, absolutely. Right? So that's something that like really like, and, and including now with I am enough in terms of like my perspective in my music, my perspective in my video editing, my perspective on this stuff. That's what's, that's my brand. You know, that's my, going back to the word rebranding, that's my rebranding thing of like, how can I put as much of me in my work as possible? Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting because you're not rebranding you. You're really just coming out as all of you. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just like, you know, someone who has a job, right? If we take it out of the theater thing you know, there's a job description, which is what you do, but how you do it is you. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. So where, where, do, you see, where do you see yourself five years from now? Uh, I think I'd like to be a, a, a comfortably established composer. I'm still happily married, and I think we wanna, we're going to start looking at buying a house we can maybe in this next year. But... At, at a home, like home in every sense of the word. Like, I mm. it's like, this is where my life continues. This is where my life grows even further. And I've reached a point where, like, I feel like I feel like I've landed into this position where I can create some music, create this, be an actor if I can here and there. But I think that's I see myself in a in a good, happy place. Yeah, um, yeah, with family and lots of hugging. Family, lots of hugging, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I just wanted to, just real quick too, before we um, wrap up, talk a little bit about, I'm so curious about the Little Duende, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is something you're working on now? 
Yeah, that's the one that I'm I'm got all my attention right now. Yeah, that musical is a uh, it's a Mexican musical, and it is the telling of a young elf girl who uh, has always dreamed to be to be a uh, fairy from the north, right? But then uh, out of nowhere in, in her town of Elflan, this dark fog, this dark entity that we call La Mancha, comes in and, and envelops the town and takes over and kidnaps elves to use them as mules to transport what we use in this show, onguitos, which means little mushrooms, to transport these goods illegally to the north uh, land of the Avacenas, which is fairyland. In that moment, the La Mancha kidnaps Abelita's mother. So she must, she is forced to take this journey up north to find to be reunited with her mother. Um, and so this resembles the idea of what's happening at, uh, in immigration and, and migrations from the Latin mm-hmm. American countries to the U.S. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we have a script and we're just ready to um, start pitching it to theaters. But again, it depends on COVID or what, if we're able to do a workshop. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. I'm going to definitely be following that. And I will, I think you, you gave me some music I can drop in the show notes and stuff. I think that's what you gave me, something from that. Yeah, I'll give you a little, yeah. little clip of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll put all your links in there because that's exciting. Good for you. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to see where that goes. And it sounds, it sounds wonderful. Um, I'm excited. No, it really, really does. Yeah. Um, so just before we leave, you want to do this little rapid fire thing? I just say what makes you and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Sure. So what makes you hungry? Um, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm failing at this game now. Um, happiness. Oof. I love it. You know, it's really funny. You know why I ask that is because is because I'm always curious to know if like people are going to be like in their sort of really, you know, self-actualized, you know, after we've been talking for an hour or whatever, like they're all like, or, or are they going to just say, you know, like tacos, you know? Yeah. I was almost going to say like just food, but like, okay. I yeah, no, just... totally. Seriously. What food, what food makes you, what, what, let's do food. What makes you hungry? Oh my God. Enchiladas, small enchiladas. Of course, Mexican food because I just love it. And um, Indian food. <laughs> oh god yeah me too now, that's funny so there was a really good exercise in in editing based on what we thought it should be isn't that funny but then when i when i gave you permission to say talk about food your energy completely shifted and you're like oh it's beautiful it was just cool that was really cool okay but now we'll get now we'll get into the other words so what makes you sad um violence yeah inspired Music. Frustrated. Stress. Motivated. Uh, piano. Mad. Trump. <laughs> Grateful. My parents. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, I am certainly grateful for you. Just before we go, I'm going to ask you, what are the top three things that happened so far today? Um, I had a great meeting for a, for a concert I'm going to be doing at the Arden Theater in the spring. I played my game Zelda, of course. <laughs> oh, and I texted with my nephew. Oh, what are you most looking forward to in the future? Um, you know, change, a change in this COVID situation, a change in obviously really what politically and like climate change and like, you know, really looking forward to those steps to start, at least start 
taking those steps in the next four years um, so that we can, as artists, can get back to work and get back to doing things, get back to like, to creating. So. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Amen. Amen. Robbie, thank you so much for coming um, and taking the time to be in the moment with me today. And uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, really. Thank you you so much. It was so fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're listening to music from the new musical Little Duende. I've been speaking today with Robbie Hager. Thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.